0: I am a blessed man, and I pray you feel you're blessed, the Lord loves you, and we have a great Heavenly Father as we've been going through the Sermon on the Mountain, and we're finishing up here. I'll be doing this big overview of this big portion here, and then John's going to clean up the mess next week after what I leave, so there you go. Um, a great, what a great privilege to come and share again in God's Word. This is my old, pulp, I want my old pulp, pulpit here. Uh, used to preach I served in the church for almost uh, 50 years uh, Helped start uh, about four different churches I think you've done everything in the church clean the toilets mop the floor and preach so you do it all so uh, what a great privilege to be here with my son-in-law and my daughter and her family and I got Kyle back there doing the uh, overheads so if that gets messed up that's his fault that's my <laughs> my grandson So I'm going to give him a bad time. Um, So we've been traveling through here. We're going to close this out. And uh, I'm going to give you a good uh, overview for that. And again, John will fix whatever I messed up here. Um, I get to share about the goodness of the Lord. That was a great thing about being a pastor. Uh, You hear, you know, there's hard things in life. But the Lord is sweet and he's good. And he's faithful. He's a faithful father. And, and I just uh, pray that I get to represent my father in heaven properly this morning. So let's pray. Lord, thank you for your love. Thank you for your word, which is truth. Thank you, Lord, for the way and the path of life that you've laid out for us. Lord, you have diagnosed our disease and have come with a cure, with your own blood, with your own life. We're so grateful, Lord. You've brought the cure. Help us to walk in that, Lord, and I just pray that uh, you would be lifted up and glorified this morning through your word. And we're grateful, Lord, for your faithfulness to be here with us. In your name we pray. Everybody said? Amen. Amen. So what are the things? I'm just going to share some of the things that jumped out at me. I don't know if they jumped out at you, but here's some of the things that jumped out at me. Verse 13, the way that leads to destruction. Verse 19, cut down and thrown into the fire. Verse 23, I never knew you depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. That house fell, and great was its fall. Ouch. Ouch. I think the Lord uses some pretty strong language here. Uh, There's a sense of an absolute here, of finality in his teaching here. So I want to frame the context of these words. It's important to have context, isn't it? Pretty important. And uh, that you might consider that these words that I just read are words of life, not of death. Because what is the Lord presenting us here in this last section? He's saying, this is life, and here is death. Choose one. And choose the right one choose the remedy for our disease of sin because he's trying to save us from ourselves and i say from ourselves because he told his disciples that you have ears to hear but you don't hear and eyes to see and you can't see there's some things in this life that we just don't know i just don't And there are things that can destroy us, and I don't even realize it. There's things that can kill me that I'm not not aware of. And there's things I know that I don't apply, that ultimately, if I don't follow through, will mean my demise. Let me give you an illustration. My son is here today. My, My little boy, he's about this big now. You know, when they get to start to toddling a little bit, they get out of the crawling stage, and you you put them in the walker, right? And they barely can get around at first, but pretty soon they're arching their back, their their muscles are being developed, they're growing, they're pushing themselves around, and we were new, brand-new parents. And we baby-proofed the living room, you know, the house, and get everything up and all this other stuff. So one day, and I'll never forget this, he's, he's motored around the house. And there was our house, we had a house a big house plant, and he's reaching for the house plant. And what do you think he's going to do with that house plant? He's going to pull it out. He's going to pull a little leaf off or something. And where, then then what is he going to do with it? He's going to eat it. Well, that was a poison. That would it was poison. So I went over there and gently as he got got his hand to it, I just kind of remove his hand a little bit away gently. And whoop, there it goes. And you pull him away, you put him on the other side of the living room, and zoop, he's right back. He wants that plant. Till finally, I had to do a little, just a little thump on the hand. And the, <laughs> it was his first no. I'll never forget it. And the look, he turned to me, and he looked at me, and he's like, what just happened? I've had a really nice life so far. And this is my dad, he loves me, and he just he just thumped me. And the tears welled up in his eyes, and he tried again and I had to do it again. And he's like, whoa, that wasn't a mistake. He's really meaning to do this. Until he got to the point that he knows not to touch the plant. He doesn't know why. So it was something he I knew that he didn't know. Am I a bad dad? Did he begrudge me for the rest of his life? He could. You were mean to me. You made me clean my room, or whatever. I didn't let him reach up on the stove when we're cooking bacon and pull the pan down on him. I didn't let him do that. Am I a bad dad? Even though he wanted to? Some things I don't know. I'm another example. I'm a Southern California boy, been in lots of sun. So I have to go to the dermatologist a lot, <laughs> pay payback. So when I went in, I had they checked me out. I had my full body deal, and I had this little tiny right here on my chest, like uh, if you got a sharpie and a little a red sharpie, just put a dot right there. That's all it was. And it would itch once in a while or something, and but didn't even think about it. He looks at it, first thing he looks at. It, he said, Oh, that looks like a basal cell." issue here. We're going to have to take a, a biopsy of that. I'm like, what? It's just, it's a little red dot. And he, he's taking stuff off of me. I know what it looks like. And I'm like, this is, comes back. He says, uh, Frank, we're going to have to cut that out. <laughs> and I said, no way. That's going to hurt. And I don't want to hurt. I've, I, you've cut too many other things off of me. I, you're not going to do this one. This doesn't even, it doesn't even look like it's cancer is that what i told him he knew something that i didn't and i listened to his advice and he came in with a ice cream scooper and scooped it out <laughs> and he said no problems but if i didn't do anything about it where would i end up and then there's some things we're so preoccupied so fixed in our own little world that we can't see what's going on around us that could us down and a great example is my dermatologist what he did to cut that out right and he said he says you know we've done this before I'm just gonna remind you again I'm gonna cut this out and then but this time I'm not gonna cauterize it because then they burn you You that sweet smell of flesh you know he just he says we're not going to do that because your chest scars quite a bit so we're not and I went hello I have open heart. I had open heart surgery, and I have a scar from here to here, and my, that red mark was about an inch away. He went, he stood back and he went, "Oh, you've had open heart surgery." Blah. he's so fixed on what he had. I'm a school bus driver. Yay! I drive this big giant yellow thing around town. It's a semi truck in a little residential area where two you know, cars are parked there and you can barely squeeze through. And I have, and when I release the students, you've seen them, the lights go on, they're flashing, a, a stop sign flap, flaps out from me, blah, 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 and I can see people coming my way and I can look in their eyes and I can say, they're, they're not going to stop. They're not even aware. And they drive right, I hold the kids and the car goes right on through. And they're like this. they're they're someplace else. Disaster, not aware, so fixated on our things. There's things we just don't know. And for us, we have a cancer, a leprosy. The Bible uses the the leprosy and the diseases associated with that because it's really a big conglomerate of dermatological things. I just made that word up, skin diseases. And one of the ones we're familiar with, there's a bacteria in one of them that attacks your nervous system and slowly deadens your nerves and your extremities. Slowly. To where you can't feel it anymore. And you're going to lose those appendages because we need to have that feeling of pain in us. The cancer is going to grow. And it's going to take us out. There's something wrong with us. He's the great physician. And here in our passage, he's trying to, he's trying to tell us, this is the way of life. Let me fix what's wrong, because I love you. Because my pride and my self-will, and he gave us the, the option to choose. I could have given my son the opportunity, to go ahead and eat the plant. I, don't, don't eat it, but go ahead if you want to. He wants a relationship with us because I can make you obey, right? I, I can make my third grader on the bus or my seventh grader on the bus. I can make him obey me, and they will do what I tell them to do. But does that change their heart? I want a changed heart in that kid. I want him to do it because it's right. Because I, I have a relationship with him, and I want to interact with him with mutual respect and love. That's how you would do with our children. Does my son come to me and he wants something and he's got his list and i did a uh, father uh, unit number one here has done all these check marks and you know and now i want this i put my coins in and i want my or do i want him to crawl up into my lap and he tells me he loves me that's the relationship the lord has for us he's diagnosed our disease and jesus and the father sent his son to bring healing for god so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son here's my son listen to him he said please and you will find life so here we go so we're going to run through this i got the first two hours is the first couple of verses and i got yeah i got two after that right it's been a year since i preached. i do about once a year so I want to get my fill. You're all ready for that. Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction, and there are many that go in by it, because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way that leads to life, and there are few who find it. What's Jesus saying here? Not every path is right. There's a way, there's a path that leads to life, and one that leads to destruction, and this is the constant message of the Bible. The book of Proverbs pounds at home. Every man is right in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the heart. There's a way that seems right to the man, but the end of it is death. Listen to my son, because we don't pack the gear. We don't know. Some things we just don't understand or know. And I need to trust. My son needed to trust me. That I was a loving father, and that what I did was to save him. He says there's a narrow gate and a wide gate. That's just a point of entry. It's a gate. And Jesus has got that simple, small, simple gate to come through to that point of entry. It's not wide. There's only one prescription for our healing. My wife had cancer on her, if you believe it or this, on her eyelids. And the doctor said, well, we can fix this. And you have to go through this regimen of radiation. And so she raised her hand, I don't like radiation. Is there some other way we could get this done? Isn't there a pill I can take or a shot I could take? Maybe if I did more exercise, would that work? Is that what she said? But when we come to the Lord and the Lord says, there's the one, here's the remedy you know I just don't take pills do you, have a, do you have a like a little liquid I could drink or just give me that one shot and I won't have to think about it that's what we do to him Jesus said I'm the way the truth and the life he's the path he's the one And you say that's so that's just not very inclusive because we're we're all about being inclusive right <laughs> isn't that what you hear all the time how come it is that the, if the people that want to be inclusive kick Jesus out of the room? He's out, you're out, so we can be inclusive. And we do it all, it's all around us. You know how many, how many weddings I've done? And I've never done one with six people up there. Bride, the groom, and their two other old boyfriends and girlfriends. Is that who I marry? When you get married, it gets it gets very narrow and very inclusive, very not inclusive. Matter of fact, you say, forsaking all others, I'm gonna love you in sickness and in health. I'm sticking with and I'm pushing everyone out. It's just gonna be me and you. We don't balk at that. We understand that principle. It is very narrow extremely narrow so don't say that's too harsh because it isn't because there's one remedy I love it that the Lord picked the the rib from Adam did you know I had to go Google this Google it how many ribs does a human body have 24 so we could add 24 (laughs) he picked all the ribs and we had 24 wives he picked one that's a good thing He said there's a broad once you get through the broad the big the wide gate you run into this easy big path of no difficulty it's easy the message bible puts the narrow path calls it the vigorous it's this is a path that's vigorous and requires total attention well that sounds pretty good you know what i say any dead fish could swim downstream The Lord wants us to swim upstream. It's not, doesn't, it takes effort, doesn't it, to roll out of bed. we got sin, our flesh, and the devil rolling against us 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and you got to get out of your bed every morning and swim. So you could reproduce. What well, that's the salmon, they swim upstream to reproduce. We should be reproducing believers from our lives by the lives that we live. Because we're living differently. We're not just rolling down the river mindlessly, doing everything that we are told. I'm following the Lord and his leading rather than the things of this world. And he said, There's the few and the many. Well, how many's few? Well, I just have to what happened when the Lord destroyed the world with a flood? How many how many were saved? Out of maybe the, the millions or billions that lived on the planet Earth? eight whoa that's sobering there was one ark he didn't say everybody build a little canoe because i'm going to fill the earth with water he de- he gave this place of safety and refuge and there was one big giant gate that fell down and when it was time noah preached for a hundred years and they're going ha, ha, flood we've never seen a flood what are you talking about Noah knew something they didn't and they didn't listen and one day the lord said time's up and the gate he says he put he closed the gate the rampart that led up that let the animals on so in verse 15 through 20 he talks about false prophets who inwardly are ravenous wolves you'll know them by their fruits even so every good tree bears good fruit Every bad tree bears bad fruit. That's pretty complicated. <laughs> he uses some simple terms. I love that. And he says, every tree that doesn't bear good fruit is cut down and thrown in the fire. You get rid of it. It's not, it doesn't, it's not doing what it's supposed to do. Therefore, by their fruits, you will know them. Look at verse 15. He says, but inwardly, these guys are disguised. Inwardly, the ravenous wolves, and you will know them by their fruit. I will know what's inside of them. I'm not judging them, but I better be discerning about them. Because which path are they teaching me to go down? Is it one to life or one to death? That's my choice to make and I'll be responsible for it. He'll be responsible for helping leading me in the false way. Or if he's a good teacher, he's gonna be a part of that, but I have to make that decision. And huh, There's people that call themselves Christian and they're not? Oh, I never believed that. Is there things that want to trick us? Get us off the path? Point us a different way? Absolutely, that's what Jesus is warning us about. We need to be on guard and discerning. He's saying, so there's a good teacher and a bad teacher. Good fruit, bad fruit. Got it? Okay, we go on to the next one. (laughs) Verses 21 through 23, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, we have prophesied in your name and cast out demons in your name and done many wonders in your name. And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Whoa. He's talking about good religious people. He's not talking about the heathen here. The heathen don't care about prophesying. They don't care about they don't have any interest in going around healing anybody. They're not confessing Jesus. They're living their wild life in their own life. The Lord's given them that opportunity. They're down the wrong path. They went through the wrong gate. So Jesus here presenting a false confession of faith and a true confession of faith. How do I understand that? I say we just go back to Genesis at the beginning and we have a great illustration of that in Genesis 4. It came in the process of time, you have Cain and Abel, the first and second child children of Adam and Eve. And they brought an offering, it said. Verse 5. They both brought it in verse 5 it says but he did not respect cain's offering and cain was very angry and his countenance fell so the lord said to cain why are you angry and why is your countenance fallen if you do well would you not be accepted and if you do not do well sin lies at the door and its desires for you but you shall rule over it now cain talked with brother uh, with abel his brother and it came to pass when they're in the field Cain rose up against his Abel and his brother and killed him. Whose confession was true and false? Who who measured that? The father did, didn't he? God did. Cain's upset because he brought his offering and it should have been good enough for God. There was no element of love tells us that it wasn't presented to god in faith he was paying his tribute so he could get a a, a bumper crop next week you know next year or the next planting hey if i bring this offering now i'm going to get something out of it there was something askew there's something wrong in not the offering but in cain's heart and the lord said there's something wrong there's some selfish self-centeredness here and you haven't come because you love me you've come to get something from me and i'm not going to receive it but let's fix this and he refuses did you notice here that in uh, verse five it says cain was angry and his countenance fell things at the beginning of the bible are very important because they lay the framework for other things But the anger, what does it mean? This is the old King James kind of thing, countenance fell. I don't know what your Bible says. You're depressed. Countenance fell. Depression is down. He was angry at the Lord, and he got pouty. and, And angry in the form of depression. Some of our depression, I've heard say, is anger without enthusiasm i didn't get what i wanted when my son i thumped his little hand and he didn't get what he wanted he cried he got in and you know when they get older and you tell them no you don't get to do that they get mad they slam the door huh you ever heard that one in your house wham one was accepted and one wasn't god was the measuring stick god was the one who sorted that out there is a way that seems right to us but in the end brings destruction the lord's lord saying there's something about our heart that is self-centered and so self-absorbed that we're not coming for him we're coming for his things Remember Jesus fed the the 5,000 and then he fed the 4,000 and he says, I know why you're here. You here come here just so you can get some bread. I know you're not here for me. That's like your children coming to you and they just want something from you. They don't care about you. They don't want to look at you. They don't want to interact with you. I just want something from this machine that's going to, I'm just going to pull the lever and get it. The father's not going to receive that. You wouldn't receive that you would embrace them you want to embrace them and draw them close that, that we do nothing out of duty obligation or for anything for personal gain these are religious people doing very interesting things they're cast they're doing good things prophesying casting out demons doing many wonders in his name but the lord said you're coming you came through the wrong gate you're coming through the wrong path and you're doing the wrong things these are good things because sin is about not what we do it's who we are. I'm that selfish and self-centered. I love it he says they said we did these wonders in your name. You know why? Cuz he's the only one that can do those things. <laughs> but it didn't have anything to do with them. You want to get a great illustration of that? Here's Moses with a stick. It's a rod. It's a stick. It's a piece of wood. And the Lord says, take that simple piece of wood. There's millions of board feet of wood on this planet. And I want you to hit the rock. And there's enough water going to come out. The estimated 3 million Israelites. Water enough for 3 million people. To bathe. To cook with. To drink. Came gushing out of a rock. The two most common things that we could run into in this planet. A stick. A wood and a rock. And he says, "Boom, that's what the Lord can do with a stick and a rock. So what? Is a stick special? If we had it today, it'd be on eBay, and you know they'd be at uh, no, not eBay, though know, the, the big, fancy auction house. Here's Moses' rod, and it would be so special, because Moses touched it, and he did this and part of the Red Sea, and he threw it down and he turned it turned into a snake, and he he it's wonderful. It's a stick. No power of its own. Water out of a rock. The Lord's trying to make a point here. The Lord can use anything. He used a donkey once to talk to a selfish, self-centered, greedy prophet that ended up blessing Israel. So what? Anybody can be a servant. Anything can be a servant of the Lord. I'd rather be a servant of the Lord than an instrument of the lord the lord can pick up and use anything he wants servants that love him surrender to him so in 24 he says when whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them there's the end. does them goes through the gate walks the narrow path listens to good teaching and we're going to learn about building their house familiar story here the rain descended the floods came The rain's coming on our house. Is he talking about a house or are you talking about us? Talking about us. We all face the storms of life. It's these very storms and trials that witness for us or against us. Just like a piece of paper or a piece of metal, if I put it into fire, what does it do? It isn't, the, it isn't the fire's issue. It's what the material. So if I put the paper and then it's consumed, if I put the steel to it and it's tempered at 450 degrees, it gets stronger. What are we made of? Inside, the Lord wants to show us. That's what he did with Cain. Well, no, I'm not going to accept your offering. Something's wrong here. Let's get it right. And Jesus said, great is the fall. Why does he say that? because i thought i was doing it right i thought i built my house on the right way the rock represents him the solidness and sand is what goes through our fingers how about i live a life for myself it all kind of goes through my fingers i can accumulate all i want and they, they what does a billionaire want more they asked G, the old oh, morgan like a billionaire and he said how much How much is enough? He says, just a little bit more. And then it all slips through their finger. Solomon (laughs) said, you can do all you want, but when you die, you go, hey, naked you came in, and naked you're going out. If we go our own way and do our own thing and don't apply the remedy for our life, our house will crumble. And maybe we've experienced that. If you've experienced your life crumble around you, and you say, Lord, what's going on? And then he begins to draw you to himself. That's what trials are all about. For the unbeliever, maybe he gets him to turn his eyes off himself and say, There's something, there has to be something bigger than me. What is the thing in AA? What's the first thing you have to say? There's some power greater than me. They have to come to that recognition. what kind of material are we jesus finishes all this up with a there that's this therefore he who hears and does and submits himself to my authority takes the remedy for our selfishness and self-centeredness you'll find yourself enduring and you will hear these words matthew 25 his lord said to him well done good and faithful servant you were faithful over a few things and i'll make you ruler over many things Enter into the joy of your Lord. Instead of saying, depart from me, I never knew you. That's it. Those are the two options. There's a narrow gate and a wide gate. There's life and death presented before us. And many religious people, people that go to church, moral people. That's his message here. Sin isn't about bad things. It's about the badness of our own heart, our selfishness, and our rejection of Christ and his rulership over my life. Whether I'm doing good or bad, he doesn't see that. He sees that crucial point where there's no fellowship. He said, I never knew you. We never interacted. We, you never were my son. You ran by me. You ran towards me to get something. But you never were my son. We never had that relationship. So what's all this mean? I'll wrap it up here in another two hours. God uses contrast as a a great way to teach us. He's just saying there's a true path, a false path, true teachers, false teachers, true confession, a false confession, a true foundation, and a false foundation. And he has said some pretty hard things. But in this context, there are words of life. He's trying to save us from ourselves. He's telling us that he's the final judge. He determines. He's the one. Because the flip side of this, and this negative part, there's a beautiful positive part. The contrast is, he's saved us. He's come to save us. There's healing. There's life for us, waiting for us. It's our choice. It's our decision. I love John 14, 1 through 6. He says, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. And in my father's house are many mansions. If it was not so, I would have told you. But I go to prepare a place for you. This old King James, in the original text, this many mansions is a dwelling place. This flesh right here is a dwelling place of his spirit, of who I really am. You ever seen gone to a funeral, an open casket, and you look there and they, there's, there's no life. Their, their face is there. You recognize them, but there's no life there. His shell, that's his shell. Paul calls it a tent, a temporary dwelling place. But he's going to prepare a place for us with a new body that's designed for the heavenlies. This body's designed for here. And he's going to cut it in heaven. It's going to be glorious, a body like unto his body. He's going, so he's building us a new body, each of us. He says, and if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. And where I am, there you will be also. And where I go, you know, and the way you know. Guess what? Thomas says, huh? I don't know where you're going. How can I know the way? <laughs> he's, and who's he been with? Jesus, remember, he said, oh, Lord, show us the Father. He said, how how long have I been with you? You've been looking at him. Jesus replies to Thomas. He says to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. I'm the gate. Come to me. Come, all you're weary and heavy laden. Come. Come. Throw away your sand and stand on the rock. Get rid of the teaching you're following and follow my teaching, its life. Come and live a narrow, a strenuous life of work, of, of, of applying yourself for the kingdom. Come and find life through the simple door of who I am and find a sure sound, a place of foundation that will never go away. Because the way, the gate, the teaching, the truth, and the life is found in him. But my problem is me. I love the middle letter in sin, is what? I. And from that springs myself and my self will that the Lord has offered to me, and there I exert it. I can try to exert it over him and others around us. We see that. It's about the three people I love the most me, myself, and I. I love, you know, what was it back in the day? I can't remember now. I'm too old. Just love yourself. You need to love yourself before you can love others. You forget it. You love yourself too much. That's why you can't love others. (laughs) That's the world, that's how the world thinks. When you get a big panoramic, you know, you're in a big picture, you know, the group of people. When you get that, who do you look at first? Where am I? Oh, there I am. And then you start looking at everybody else. That's us. That's the person I love the most. That's the person I truly don't really, I don't really know. That I can fool myself so easily. And there's no way for us. There's and There's no escape. Except through Him. Jeremiah tells us the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked, and who can know it? I, the Lord, search the heart; I test the mind, even to give to every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his doings. And then that what He did with Cain and Abel, and it's a story for us. He has diagnosed our disease and provided the cure. And in John 12, He says this. Let, let's go to Matthew 16. And jesus said to his disciples if anyone desires to come after me if you want to get through the gate and if you want to walk that path deny yourself take up your cross and follow me for whoever desires to save his life will lose it whoever loses his life for my sake will find it for what profits a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul or what shall a man give to exchange for his soul the lord says come with humility obedience and joy to me he came he came the narrow way do you know the god of the universe came down to us as a baby whoa you went he went from this to this matthew tells us they wrapped him in swaddling clothes and he, said, oh. he had he would put diapers on him the the creator of the heavens of the earth wore diapers you got it tough he went to work for his father. He was a carpenter. Probably around 12, until he was 30. He took his, you know, uh, Brady Bunch lunch pail to work every day and went, went to work and came home, just like we do. And at 30, he starts his ministry. They come to arrest him and put chains on him. The king, the Lord of lords, the king of kings, and you put chains on him, and he's going, you think... Pilate says, hey, you're not answering me. You don't seem distressed. What's going on? I can put you, I have the power of life and death over you. He says, no, you don't. I could call legions. This isn't, this isn't my kingdom. Legions of angels. One angel killed 185,000 men. I hate to see what a legion would do. Could chains chain him? He let himself be bound. He bound himself in a human body. He bound himself to the the things that we have to endure. Thirst, hunger, tired, joy, sorrow, all of it. He came a narrow way because that was the only way to get us fixed. Because he said in the Gethsemane, is there any other way for this to be? I don't want to drink this cup. I don't want to go to the cross. But nevertheless, your will be done. And because he did that, he's come to teach. His, he bore fruit. He healed the sick. He raised the dead. He rose from the grave. And on the, tr- on the cross, he triumphed. It's finished. He's done. His cross is the gate that provides the opening for the path and his resurrection is what equips us and empowers us to walk that walk. And in that, as we do that, then our house will stand. His house is always, has always withstood, it has withstood the test of time. So Christ is offering the cure for us for our leprosy, our cancer, our blindness, our deafness, and our selfishness. Isaiah said, We're all like sheep. We've gone astray, each of us to our own way. If you haven't entered the narrow gate today, you can by faith. It's that simple. You can freely surrender your life to the Savior, use your free will to surrender to Him, and die to your old selfishness. Confess our sin and selfishness and start down a path. A full allegiance to Christ. And there are many here who have made that decision and they walk through the gate and because of life, the storms that we talked about, and we find ourselves bogged down in the cares of this world, trapped in our sin of selfishness, and all I can think about is me. Why ain't I? Why don't I have what I want when I want it? I sat as a pastor for a long time I counseled many people and one thing I noticed as, I came, as they came in I could have in the, in the morning someone come in and say I need a job so bad the Lord hasn't given me a job I'm unemployed I need, my rent's coming due and I need a job so desperately and he's just not coming through I need a job Two hours later, the next person comes in. I hate my job. The Lord gave me this crummy job, and I want out. I quit yesterday. Oh. Young girl comes in. I want to be married. I want a husband so bad. And the next comes through, I'm tired of my husband. I want a divorce. (laughs) What is it that you want? Do you want him? Or do you want something? So the things that have overcome us and got us a little bit off of the path, you can make that right today. By faith. Like he told Cain, he said, there's something wrong, let's get it fixed. Let's just get it fixed. Come to me. And by faith we can get renewed Renew our love for our Saviour and our relationship would grow and find that it is an arduous, difficult path of self denial. That's true. But it's worth it. And we'll follow, as we follow our good shepherd. So I'll finish with this. Verse twenty eight and twenty nine, so it was when Jesus had ended these sayings that the people were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as having one authority and not as the scribes. And I pray you're astonished today. I'm astonished when I read this. It helps me to question where I'm at, where, why am I doing the things that I'm doing and are currently doing, have done in the past. Does He have authority in my life like this? So I pray we are astonished and that we come to Him this morning. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, thank You. You have come as the great physician. You enter through the gate of the narrowness of sending your son in the likeness of flesh. He came to teach the truth. He came to teach the way. He came to teach who he was, that he might bring them to you. I pray, Lord, that we would be healed and that we would discover the love of our great heavenly father. Who cares so much for us. Forgive us Lord. Of our selfishness and self-centeredness. Our focus and attention. So often strays from you. Bless your people. That you would be glorified. And lifted up in their hearts. And Lord you would fill them. With all that you are. That Lord you would have them firm. And fixed. On the foundation that is you. And they would have joy. Walking in that narrow path. That leads to life. In your name we pray. Amen.